Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coltside Radio's Late Night Movie. Enjoy as your two glorious hosts, Carl Caper and Stephen M. Ronquillo, bring you the best in cinematic quality and rarity and lost gems that you should see more. So, let's get this show started. And tonight... Feature is. Go into that shop, and they're so great looking, you know. And I and I, I'm doing their hair, and they feel great, and they smell great. That's it. It makes my day. I mean, it makes me feel like I'm gonna live forever. Columbia Pictures presents Shampoo. It's the story of a Beverly Hills hairdresser named George. 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 George is great. Yeah, George is great. And all the beautiful people he does. Listen, you're great. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, tonight's show. And sadly, this is the last part of Carl's part of Criterion Month. This month's gone by too fast. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, considering we're in lockdown, I'm okay with it going fast. (laughs) This is why we're doing this. So, so that yeah, people have a the chance. quality of films we're watching. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, we'll we'll say it a couple times during during the the show, but the Criterion Channel is just friggin' awesome. Seriously, if you do not have a Criterion Channel, make a point, get it. Seriously, you won't regret it. Yeah, definitely. There's like a million gems, and Carl has just posted. If you're friends of his and in the group ISF, his uh, top picks for films that's on the Criterion Channel right now. It's not my top picks. I think it comes from a, a another. I know it comes from another source, but it's a really oh. good list. Uh, and it uh, not only lists the top movies, but also the other movies by the by the directors that are on the Criterion Channel. So you really can't go wrong. And there's all sorts of hidden gems. You have to look through every little nook and cranny of the site to find some great freaking movies. Like unless you go down to the movie theater tribute that they have and look at the bell court. You're not going to find Secret Honor. Yeah. Not unless you go into the alphabetical list, and then you got to go all the way down to S. Yeah. And they have over a thousand, a thousand uh, uh, films to choose from. I mean, it's it's just a great list. It seriously is. And what we're watching tonight is from their '70s Styles of the '70s list. And the year that this came out, well, we'll get into it a little bit into once the movie starts over the credits. But you said something about a surprise you had before the show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but uh, I'll mention it. It'll be in the opening credits. It'll be in the opening credits, and I think you might go, "Holy shit!" I'm just saying. Oh, and one other thing we should say before we get onto this. If you're uh, of the woke variety, uh, 
you're going to get triggered. Okay? And you may not want to watch this, and personally, we're okay with that. Uh, because this is definitely not a movie that's that that's particularly kind to women. Uh, in fact, uh, Julie Christie, who co-stars in this movie, will not talk about this film. Because she doesn't like the film. Um... Uh, and so just want to give that little warning out to people. However, if you really look at it, uh, it doesn't say anything good about the main character either. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I'm just putting that out there right now. And we're going to get to the very end of the movie before I mention this. But, yeah, there's some real-life ramifications on the guy that's based on this that once you know it does cast a pallor about the whole film, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and you and I you and I sort of disagree because I think it it's more based on somebody else. But it's based it's really on all the combination of, of the two. It's, it's a combination of the like two. We both people. agree with that. Yeah. But I'm right on the Columbia thing and you don't know how much of a teardrop it brings to my eye when I actually see a 70s movie where the studio did not fuck with the opening fucking title card. Absolutely. That's why you I always get about watching uh, older Warner Brothers films. Right. So if you listen to last week, I bitched about it before performance, didn't I? Yes, you did. You absolutely did. But one thing about this movie uh, that we should mention, it was made in 1975, was directed by Hal Ashby, uh, written by Robert Town. Robert Town had already uh, uh, won an Oscar that year for Chinatown, and this was his follow-up to that. Um, he also uh, wrote, uh, along with Daryl uh, Pornistan, uh The Last Detail. He co-wrote that film. Uh, so he had quite a run in the 70s. No, that's and one this we film, will do. Pardon? That's one we will do. Oh, oh, the last detail? Oh, freaking A. And I know another one we're going to do along with that. We we do that, we're going to do uh, Last Friday. Yeah, we'll, that'll probably be our first double feature. We'll record it and then release it as a double feature. Yeah. Seriously, we got to do that. Got to do that. And get ready, get to the Columbia thing, get your DVD, or just go to the Criterion Channel. And we're right where I'm right at. We're right at where the Columbia label is coming in. Right, exactly. Ready for the countdown? Yeah. Five. Go. Four. Three. Two. One, go. This year was a very hard year to be a good film. And we're fading in with him at his happiest with, wouldn't it be nice? You know... A song about, wouldn't it be nice if everything was so perfect? Right, Carl? 
Right, exactly. But yeah, 1975 was a hell of a year to be there. This was the year that one flew over the cuckoo's nest, swapped four out of the five big Oscars. Carrie Fisher and how Carrie Fisher in her first movie. Okay, who is Bill Castle? I don't know who is Bill Castle. Uh, if I said he was William Castle? You mean that's William Castle? That's William fucking Castle. Oh, He has shit. a very small role, but you'll see him. And this was a phenomenon that only happened out in Hollywood in the 60s, maybe about 60, 74, 70, 74, and that is the male, straight, super stud hairdresser. There are three or four yeah. of the guys, the most famous being, uh, well, one, the most famous one I'll mention last, but John Peters. Who became a Hollywood power guy in the 80s? Yeah, and producer. Well, yeah. He became one of the mega producers. And then Laszlo Kovacs. Oh, yeah. And I love this first shot with the. I'm going to say, I love this first shot with the, the, the light just coming in and it's all dark and you see just. But you'll notice that Beatty also co-wrote this with Town. And how well, asked he? Warren Beatty in the seventh. We wouldn't know if he rewrote, if he actually did write it, or he just put his name on it. No, supposedly Town said he did some work on it. Yeah, because if you want to know honestly, this movie is really about well. Warren Baby's ego during this whole period of the 70s was legendary. Yes. And if you want to know who's the real slut in this movie, it's Warren Beatty's character. He's a slut. Oh, absolutely. And I mean that in a derogatory way, not in the Oh, yeah, he's a man's man. No, he's a slut. So I, I do want to make a point here. That is the only time that Goldie Hawn ever did a nude scene, but you'll notice how it was lighted, lit. Yeah. And so you didn't see anything. And she she absolutely insisted on that, but they were going to do that anyway. He's so full of shit. And that's not Goldie Hawn right here. Well, no, that's that that's uh, uh that's Lee Grant. I'm sorry. Yeah, Lee Grant. One of the, one of the few female actresses to walk up to Hugh the Hugh act scenes and go, Fuck you. 
<laughs> yep. And one of the few female actresses to get blacklisted. Yep. This really was her big comeback. Well, she she had been working with Ashby for a while. Ashby yeah. had her in a small role in, the, in various things, walk-on roles, but she had done a film in 1970 with him called The Landlord, and she was... Uh, she didn't get an Oscar nomination for that, but there was a lot of talk at that point in time she'd get an Oscar nomination for that film. But this one, she did get the Oscar nom, and then, of course, she won the Oscar. And as yeah, well, if she, you watch it, she deserves it. She's good. Oh. Hell, they're all good. Dumbass, oh, yeah. you get to turn your lights off. There's Goldie Hawn's character. Oh, there's Goldie Hawn. And Goldie Hawn's character is based on... Well, should I reveal that big gem uh, this early in the film? No, let's... uh, uh... Let's cut cut that at the end when you go through it. Yeah. And this now right what? here, and the way that Jelly J, uh, I mean, the ways that Goldie Hawn and uh, Warren Beatty's character act towards each other is based on a friend of Warren Beatty's who confessed to him about that he actually did treat a lady like this. Uh-huh. Can't make outgoing calls. Jesus Christ, this guy is... Yeah, he's just eating his apple. God, she is just so perfect in that role. If I, if if I didn't know that she was playing, I would get it as soon as I see this, the dress, the makeup, the look, the voice. Oh yeah, she she really was a, a fine actress. Everyone thought she got her big break on laughing. That's this giggly, bouncy blonde, which she is at this point in time. But she has chops. She does some really good work. Yeah. And I would say this is probably her best work. Pre-shampoo greatness, Cat. Watch. Uh, There's a girl in my soup and cactus flower. Right. Well, cactus flower was a big thing for her, too. Um, but, But, yeah, she did some good work. Uh, I'm I'm also getting on to her uh, IMDb, so give me a second.
But another one she's in that she's really good, along with Beatty, I just watched it not too long ago, is Dollars. Dollars yeah. is really good. Uh, another one, let's not forget, is, is uh, the Sugarland Express, yeah. which I, I consider one of Spielberg's top five movies. And just so everyone oh, knows, I'm yeah. not a Spielberg fan. Well, speaking of Spielberg, this is also the year that uh, Jaws came out. Right. And even if they didn't win, which you would agree before, Jaws deserved nominations for Best Picture, Best uh, Supporting Actor, Robert Shaw, and it didn't get shit except for Best Score. So look at this shot, okay? You'll see that that the light comes on and off, and that's supposed yeah. to be a, uh, a, a neon sign outside. This they talk about it being in the valley, which of yeah. course is Laurel Canyon. <laughs> this is a private goddamn driveway, motherfucker! Get the hell off of it! <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't think of Laura Canyon now without thinking of a drunken Leonardo DiCaprio cursing out some dirty fucking hippies. Yep. Okay, you know who this actor is? Who? The, the, lone, the lone guy. What movie have you seen him in? No. Mine's loading on Blazing top, so I'm still where Goldie Hawn's where the TV is. But tell me, just tell me who it is so I can go, holy shit, when he does show up. Blazing Saddles. Can't think of the guy's name. Oh, Cleavon Little. No, not Cleavon Little, the, the white guy. That's talking to Beatty right now. Oh. Is he the one that died this week? No, no. Uh, we'll see when we get there, but I love this whole scene with Goldie Hawn because she's trying to connect with him, and he's so caught up in his own, he's got his head so far up his own ass that he doesn't, or is that how he is throughout the whole film, is that he's got his own head up his own ass? Mm-hmm. Well, he does. talking about where the light's going on and off like the neon signs and now he's at right. the lone place. Lewis Ross closed. Oh, okay, okay. You're you're I'm ahead of you. Yeah, I know you are now. I'm ahead of you. We're still on the same page. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm at Goldie Hawn right now. I'm Goldie Hawn with Tony Bill. Yeah. So she's an actress, and they're offering her a part. 
this all goes into what what you'll say at the end of the movie. Yeah. What in the hell is FHA? Fucking hell. Frederick uh, Harris Agency, but that's not. It's supposed to be William Morris. Uh-huh. I love it. This is the second time in this movie where someone's talking about something that doesn't have anything to do with his dreams. Right. Where he just looks at him like a fly on the wall. Yeah. He's truly an ignorant character, and that's on purpose. And if you don't get that, then, you know, he's not presented as a hero. That's one thing about the 70s that both of us miss. You overplay it, but I just play it. Yeah. Is that how we follow, as Sam Fuller said, our son of a bitch. Right. Oh, God, that... Who's that supposed to be with that hanky around his neck? There's only one person that could be. Okay, I, I'm not with you. Well, you're ahead of that. You know who the guy in the hanky around his neck is supposed to be? Okay. Peter Bogdanovich. Do you know anyone else who fucking wore that fucking hanky around the neck like that with you know. Yeah, I know who it's supposed to be. No. I'm amazed Shampoo got the awards it is as many of the real people that it's peeing on in this movie. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of that right now. By the way, uh, I stopped. So I'm at... Uh, when when uh, Goldie Hawn is talking to her friend after she gets out of the bank, let me know and I'll start again. But there's a lot, you know. The guy in the bank uh, is 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 an actor. I can't think of his name, but he's in uh, Blazing Saddles. Uh, there's a lot of people in. This yeah, he movie plays the guy in the black. He plays like uh, Slim Pickens second in. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I know him. Sing you some of them. I'm PC moment. Nigger song. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. You know, like the camp down lady. <laughs> and then he just goes off and starts dancing, singing. That's <laughs> 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 oh. yeah, yeah, that's one of the nice things of, about films. You you see these character actors, and and as you get more and more into film, you'll you'll really recognize them and see how good they are. Of course, we lost a great one today. Uh, Brian Dennehy passed. Yeah, uh, and the movies that Goldie Hawn was supposedly uh, auditioning for is They All Laughed. Right. 
All right. So where are you? Because I'm. Are you I'm out at of the bank yet? He's uh, talking to the guy trying to get his uh, interest his down. Okay. When he after no, no, he no, no. Uh, look at his face. No, he's the guy that plays uh, the one who always talks to Howard Johnson. That it's just that. Yeah, exactly. That's Brooks exactly made him look a little older in Blazing Saddles. Right. But that whole scene where he says, you know, uh, particularly when he gets into the heads. Do you know yeah. what heads are? And, of course, we always joke at that that uh, uh, that word because in the context here, it means a number of things. Yeah. It goes into play much later, too. I love that. He calls him an asshole, and the guys just do 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 I don't give a fuck what you say. We got you by yep. the balls, you motherfucker. Okay, so you're almost there. Yeah, so he when, just threw his coat in the garbage bag, but... Okay, then let no. me know when Goldie Hunt's talking to her friend. Then we're on the same page. It just keeps loading and loading again, man, but I'm just keeping up with you. You just go on. We'll just go on and keep talking. Mm-hmm. Don't worry okay, about it. You're having trouble that I had a couple days ago. Yeah. So, so well, don't worry about with Goldie Hawn. But yeah, just push play. Go ahead. But yeah, in all seriousness, Warren Beatty's character has already been shown as a little fucking baby. Can't handle any little bump in the fucking road. Right. That's very true. Throwing his coat in there, you know. He has his dream. He has his through line, and that through line is what matters. Oh, it's frozen up. It's not loaded. Okay. Yeah. You know what? When it freezes up, stop it and start it again. Trust me. That's that's what I did yesterday. Or Tuesday it was. So now he's on his way to somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, you get your first it's hilarious. He you thinks your... that the world owes him everything. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think that uh, they chose to have the Beast Boys song at the first of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice? So here he is at his shop. Or the shop he works at. Well, not, not his, his shop. shop. That's the whole point. No, no, that's the thing. He's an employee. But yeah, I mean, he's ignoring the big question is that the big thing is that 
He's at the age where he's not the young stud anymore. Right. He's still the stud, but he's about one inch from that age where he's too old to be the young stud. It's sort of like uh, if you look at okay. how Bruce Campbell... Uh, let, let, I'm going to stop you here for a second. Okay. Okay, so there's all this work that he's at the shop, and he's dealing with Lee Grant, and Lee Grant's going off. And this is the type of work she does. That's why she won the Oscar. And, and, and all this stuff that she does, this, this very, very high-strung uh, 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 fear, you know, that the hair's not going to be right, and so on and so forth, and this, this controlling. It's just an amazing amount of work that she does. Yeah. And plus, that's her kept piece of ass that's giving her shit. Right. I mean, it's funny that he doesn't realize that, is that he's just a kept piece of ass, you know. Right, no, and he doesn't. He doesn't. He thinks he's controlling them. But it's it's the other way around. And this is really what his downfall is. Well, this is going to be the most brutal thing I'm going to say about a character. He doesn't realize that he's a dildo with a pulse. Yeah. <laughs> is there Besides the way that Goldie Hawn's character feels about him, is there any other way to describe him besides a dildo with a pulse? Yeah. And Lee Grant's character wouldn't be so... <sighs> if she was getting some regular good loving, and I'm not just talking about sexing, from her husband, whose character hasn't showed up yet, and he's really the man in control. Norman George. Norman is, is a really good character, and a good character actor by the name of Jay Robinson. George just cracks me up how he thinks he's in control. He's like, all these bitches are just fucking ruining my life. And really, you know, I've seen a lot of, it's been a long time since I see this, but I definitely remember all of the films that were in Spy that took off from this, like uh, Bodyguard, The Lifeguard with Sam Elliott, which is fucking good if you haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. And he's supposed to be a hairdresser, and not one scene in this fucking movie is his own hair under control. No. Or his clothes. He doesn't have... He's lost that look, you know. He's a stylist, but he's got no style. Right. How come no one ever really gets that? They're always like, oh, he treats the women like shit. He treats the women like shit. That's because he's a dumbass. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how come you cannot think that he's not a dumbass? 
I was listening to the soundtrack earlier today, and the music keeps getting darker and darker as the movie progresses. Oh, yeah. And, and did you notice who uh, um, did the music for it? Yeah, Paul Simon. Yeah. Wasn't it that the year that him and he had his first big hit with uh, Sounds of Silence? Oh, no. Well, well, 68, this is filmed in 68. I think that was actually 67. But, yeah, it's it's about the same time frame. Now, yeah. notice you'll start to see Nixon. There was a scene earlier with a woman with a political hat. And there's a reason this is set on Election Day in 1968. Uh, history lesson here for our friends that are uh, watching. Uh, yeah. It was Nixon versus Humphrey. Uh, actually, uh, uh, Humphrey was was middle-of-the-road Democratic, but Nixon came basically came out of nowhere. And here we have Jack Warden, who I think is the best thing in this movie. He's just phenomenal. He's up for an Academy Award for this. Well, he's the one who's really in control in this movie. Of his urges, oh, yeah. of his money, of the women. And, of course, the joke here is that Jack Warden thinks he's gay. Well, let's be honest. We've already said earlier that it was very rare to have a super straight... <laughs> now I I just enjoy the greatness of Jack Warden here for a moment and I'll be right with you. There's a beautiful line. I'm just where he got chewed out by his boss. There's a beautiful fucking line that shows why he is not going to be a success. Right. And that is, until he learns to nickel and dime, he's not going to have a pot of piss in. Yeah, if you're going to be a fucking businessman, or to make money off of any racket, you got to learn to nickel and dime these motherfuckers. Right, Carl? Yep. Okay, I'm going to interrupt here. So right now we got Julie Christie that walked in. Julie is Jack Warden's mistress. Okay? And Julie, now there there's an interesting thing. They were an item. Uh Warren Beatty and Julie Christie for a while. And at the point that this was filmed in nineteen seventy five, they're no longer a pair. Uh she uh she's a wonderful actress. Um and and Patulia, uh she had a small role in Georgie Georgie Girl. 
but British. But this, this was the movie just just made me just go crazy about her. She's wonderful in this. A better movie came out the year before this, but let's not get into that. Which one is that? Don't look now. Oh yeah, I, yep. So in reality, she was the biggest star in this movie at that moment. Well, well, that and also, also Warren Beatty was good too at this point too. Yeah, but he was still coasting off of uh, Bonnie and Clyde, which ironically came out. No, in... no, no. There was the parallax. Uh, there was parallax. Uh, he had done a lot at this point. He was a big boss. Yeah, but office. you know what I mean. He was still mm-hmm. coasting off of Bonnie and Clyde, which came out in 1968. Yep. If we're going to keep it inside the bubble, we got to... I mean, really, he was. I mean, all of his career, he lived off his two reps as the super stud and the guy from Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. And then there was a third part, which came after Reds, which is he was a pain in the fucking asshole. Yeah. I'm going to want you to stop making money. Yeah. No one wants to make you stop making money, especially on Uncle Sam. But you have to be... only person can stop you from making money is yourself. Right. But there, there's a lot here. You know, it's the difference between Lester and, and, uh, and Warren Beatty's character. Yeah. His boss knows how to make money. All he knows how to do is to be a star. Uh Uh-huh. But stars burn out. So there's going to be this big party, and Julie Christie wants to go, and so Jack Warden baby doesn't get is that the power of money in this movie. It's oh, yeah. doesn't get how powerful money is. Mm-hmm. And really in 1968, we're not that far away from the death of Hippie, are we? No, not at all. This is 68. Remember, uh, this is on election day, so the Democratic National Convention had already done, and and you had all of the the uh, 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 riots up there. 
uh, as I said earlier, Humphrey was the nominee, but all of the uh, younger people wanted McGovern, who was the progressive. Now, does this remind you of anything? Oh, yeah. No? Uh, yeah, I think you may have read it, but uh, a friend of the show's uh, and a nice guy, uh, what's his name from uh, Last House on the Left, the comedian? Oh, uh, uh, Mark Scheffler. Yeah, Scheffler posted about three or four months ago about how that his generation and his guys uh, felt on the night that McGovern lost. Right. You know. Well, this was before 72. This is not 72, yeah. this is 68. So McGovern lost the nomination to Humphrey. And there was yeah. a lot of chicanery there, and so Humphrey is is the nominee at this point in '68. Now, Lester Jack Warden's character doesn't realize that these two were a couple, and of course, these two were a couple in or, real life. Or, or he doesn't give a shit. Which no, he he him. thinks George. He thinks that George is gay. So he, there's no, to him, if George takes Julie Christie out there, you know, it's, it's, it, it, that's, that gets her there. Uh, there's, he's not going to hit on Julie Christie. He's fine. No problem. Well, the major point isn't that he thinks he's gay. It's that he see, doesn't see him as a threat. No. Which really he isn't, because he's got the dick, but he ain't got the money. So if it's an right. old white woman who wants dick, he's in control. But then right. he runs into the younger, oh, like the golden Oh, and, and here we go. Hold on. Since I'm a okay. little ahead of you, Lester's daughter is... Carrie Fisher. And she's yeah. the one to use him as a piece of ass. She right. plays him like a motherfucking fiddle. You know what I mean? Yep. Ah, uh, here's a great thing. This is where 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 it comes. He's talking about. George is a kooky guy who does kooky things. Yeah, yeah, he's a fairy. He's a fairy, isn't he? Yeah, no one wants... Uh, Chris Rock said it more succinct. No one wants to be the old guy at the bar. Yeah. And really, in 1968, is really the end of the Meryl Superstar. Because uh-huh. once you hit 1970, the women realized that they had the pussy and they had the power. Which is yeah, like and of course that's And there's a bit of that at the end of this, when we yeah. get to it. But still, Carrie Fisher's character in this whole movie represents that. 
that the power dynamic has really shifted between the younger and the older generation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and we got the graduate, too, which really showed that the, you know. Well, uh, yeah. I can't believe that people would, and I've read reviews saying that they make a Warren Beatty's character too sympathetic. As a man of my age, I don't seem as sympathetic at all. He's part of the fucking problem. Hell, at my age, I want to be Jack Warden. Huh? Don't you? Isn't that yeah. what we expected to be? We wanted to be Jack Warden's character. Yeah. It's the Jack Warden's character who's in charge of the country right now, you know. Absolutely. The one with the power. And, of course, the whole thing, too, is he's begging the person with the power to give him power. You know, let's, let's you know... And so there's yeah. there's political commentary here. Oh well, the camp, you cannot have a political commentary on here where uh, uh, Nixon took over. Right. Kooky got this kooky thing. Yeah. Flighty and irresponsible. Yep. Yep. I mean, really, yeah, it's true. He's too flighty and irresponsible. I mean, if he hasn't got the balls to be able to collect a fucking quarter for a cup of coffee, how the fuck is he going to run a business business? Yeah. It's like we've discussed off the air. To be the boss, you got to be a son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. And I love you, brother, but... That's why you can never be a boss, because you're too nice to be ever be a son of a bitch. Right. You spend your life dealing with sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> but, yeah, Warren Beatty is one of those that's going to be not like you. He's going to be in the, He's going to wake up maybe four or five years from now, or the end of this movie, and, like, what happened? Yeah. And unlike uh, Easy Rider, where they said we blew it. Mhm. I don't think you ever got to that chance where you could blow it. Uh, Probably not. You know, or it's like someone gets the point like, well, I'm happy. I don't want to try for anything more. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, yeah, really, politically, this movie shows that it doesn't matter where you are, you've got to be proactive. Yeah, he, the, the interesting thing about his character, and, and I, as I said, I'm a little ahead of you uh, with uh, Julie Christie. Uh, he's doing Joey Christmas here now. But he is an artist. I mean, the one thing he's good at is what he does. Okay, but he can't... He can't, you know, go through that portal where what he does will make him money and really be in control. And trust me, 90% of us go through that, including myself. You know, um, and the thing is with with his character too, you know, you know he thinks his dick yeah. is going to get him through, right? Yeah, it's all it's all about his dick, and it's all about controlling the women and and making them happy and so on and so forth, and that's not the case here. That's not what happens. He learns that's not that doesn't work. No, that never works. Yeah. It's like these motherfuckers, male or female, you see them walking through their 20s, screwing everything they can, using their bodies and their sexual prowesses to get what they want. Mm-hmm. And then they became bitter, angry motherfuckers when they turned into their middle-aged. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, as I said, I'm a little ahead. So, so now we have Jack Warden in his car. Mm-hmm. And what you're hearing on the radio is all the Dow Jones stuff. And then it gets into the political. And that's, a, that's another point that the movie makes. Who really has the money and who has the power? And it's not, and it's not subtle. At all. No, it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, a lot of these 70 films are about that. It's about the guys who want the money. Yeah. Well, you know, as I said... They run into bigger sons of bitches than they are, or they have to become bigger sons of bitches to get what they want. Well, you know, as I said, it's all about my my generation, who was very, very much uh, influenced by the movies of the 70s. I consider myself a Jones. We're of the Jones generation. What does that mean? We're always Jonesing for more. We want more More because we got screwed out of what was going to be. And and, and so a lot of these movies, what you're talking about, are the major influences on my outlook on life, which is rather... Look at Julie Christie. She's looking at Warren Beatty's character, Sad, 
Like he's yeah. this pathetic little guy standing out in the rain with a rose, thinking that's going to get her. Uh-huh. When she's reached the age where she wants financial security. Absolutely. And that's not a bad thing. I've always said I always wanted enough money where I don't have to worry about having money. Right. And that's all, and that was the problem with Jack Wharton's character's generation. Well, the, your generation is that your generation got a million. They were pissed off they didn't have two million. When they got one billion, they were like, "Well, I can make four billion then." Well, you know that you know they talk about the yuppies. Never satisfied, yuppies. never happy. Yeah, yeah, Johnson always Johnson for more. Well, you'll, you'll, no. So here we're in the seduction scene. And it's like, no, yes, no, yes. No. (laughs) Yeah. Is it me or Julie Christie's character, the only one who knows him? Who really knows yeah. him? Yeah, exactly, and, and and she does. So we just saw the scene where he's basically taking advantage of her, and as I said at the beginning, well, people are not going to like some of this. Well, <laughs> we didn't have him as a motherfucker. The movie's point wouldn't go through. That yeah. sons of bitches make it through life. Motherfuckers don't. Yeah. <laughs> Glasser. That's why a Lester's daughter is going to make it better than her mother. Right. Because she's a because she knows how to be a son of a bitch. South Vietnam was in the Paris peace talk. <laughs> and I noticed that you didn't mention that less that warden's character when it came to the real news coming on the air, he just turned the fucking channel he didn't he ignored yeah. it okay so i i I paused a little bit here because I want your your i want to hear your your reaction. So when Lester comes into Julie Christie's apartment, let me know. But where we're coming here is this is the other thing that sets everything up. Whereas he first says kooky things and that sort of thing, then you get to this. Well, I'm at the part where it basically shows that he that Warren Beatty fucked up her hairdo. Okay, you got a couple more minutes yet. Yeah. Okay. And it, to me, it reminds me of shooting too quick. Mm-hmm. But but see what happens here, because he's done with the hair. 
How did, and he bucks how it did up she react? And she's still like, oh, honey, you're still good, baby. You're still good. Yeah. And she actually likes she the hair. What? She likes the hair. Yeah. It's just that he was done too soon. Right. I love the fact that she started to know, baby, no. Yeah, okay. So so you're almost there. Yeah. So when Lester comes in, tell me and I'll and I'll start again. Well, yeah, I mean really I love it. She's like, Oh, I wanna do this, but I can't, I can't, I don't, I can't take well, I know, you know, I know, I and, and like I said, our woke people aren't gonna like that. Why? She's the one who's in control. Right. But of course they're gonna take it the other way. She's saying yeah, no she's and he's like, stop. Feminists didn't like this movie back then. Let's be honest. Let's be just all the cards on the table. Feminists did not like this movie. They oh, not it. at all. And, and, and to be honest, Julie Christie didn't like this movie either, uh, in retrospect. Uh, and this is one of the few movies she will not talk about. Well, she I won't think talk about she was either embarrassed by this or her and Warren oh, had a big falling out. Either or. Yeah. So has Jack Warden showed up yet? No. Okay. <laughs> Jack Ward just showed Sorry. up. <laughs> That's okay. Jesus fucking Christ. That fucking show was on fire. Now we're at where Warden showed up. Right. And that motorcycle is blocking his way. Triumph. Yep. And he doesn't even notice or give a shit. No, he doesn't. Born free, free as the wind blows. Oh, that fucking little dog. That fucking little mutt. <laughs> oh. This is comedy gold, this scene. It is. I love it. He's caught. He, know, he doesn't even have to try to cock block him. No. Uh, that's one of the worst feelings you can have as a male is when someone can just effortlessly block, cop block you without even trying. Right. You know. Okay. When he comes into the 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 the, the bathroom. Bathroom. Let me know. Little yappy ass dog. Woke up princess, asshole. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Again, take a look at what Warden does during this scene. The reactions are just gold. 
And Jack did, Ward did he get nominated for Best Supporting Actor? Yes, he did, and he, and he didn't win. He didn't win. Why did uh, George Burns he, he win? He deserved this nomination. He He's a journeyman actor. You'll see him in a lot. Uh, he had a TV show. He, he, uh, uh, no, he was first... a pretty big TV star because Crazy Like a Fox lasted like six, seven years. Yeah, I was going to say he had the one show, Crazy Like a Fox. But uh, his first break was uh, 12 Angry Men. Okay, so has he gotten into the uh, sh- shower room yet? Well, it's right where she was. he just first walked in and then just walked back out. Okay, and the second time now. Yeah. I want to hear your reaction to what Beatty does. But Warden was is a great journeyman actor. He was around for a long time. Um, wonderful actor. I think the show pretty much is crazy like a fox. The only reason that it ended is because he got sick. Right. And it takes a real man to wear a freaking fake hairdo like that. Yeah. And let's be honest, the 70s style icon thing, collection, it isn't what we're doing, it's what we're leaving out. Uh, Welcome to L.A., uh, Three Days of the Condor. I love Three Days at Condor. Great fucking movie. Yeah. Well, welcome to L.A. Is good too, but I'm more of a mark for him than you are. Yeah. Ain't it weird? You're a... Nashville director. You're an Altman guy, and I'm a... I'm a Matt guy. What? You're a little no, no, guy. guy. A Rudolph guy. Well, I love Rudolph, too. Don't get, get me wrong. I fucking love Rudolph. Yeah, but you know, I would rather... Well, well, I, would re- I would burn three Altman films and save one Rudolph film, and I think you would do the vice versa. And it's weird, because they're basically... No, I try to save them both. Seriously. Because, you know, without Altman, you don't have Rudolph. Yeah. Rudolph was, was Altman's protege. Except for Altman Rudolph on was more of a romantic than... Oh, that. no question about that. Rudolph was much more of a romantic. And Ashby was than a student Altman. of the human condition. Yeah. Uh, Altman was a humanist. Yeah. Altman looked at the human condition and, and, and found it fascinating. The ups and oh, downs. Or he's outside talking to him. He's like, the human condition is different to appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, here he That's goes back. That's what Warden's saying. He's gone back to Warden's place with, uh, 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 trying to find Lee Grant, and that's where you get this scene coming up. Yeah. 
in a way, you can say that Warden's character is the younger version of who uh, Beatty's is, except that he was smart enough to collect the 50 cents for the coffee. Well, more than that. More than that. If you take a look at where they're living, too, it's more than just making it. They're, They're better than that. They're bigger than that. They're the power brokers. Right, that's what I'm saying. But I'm just using that as the metaphor, you know. Mm-hmm. Baby's like, man, I come in here. They want to use me, man. I want to fuck. They want me to do the hair. I ain't going to collect no fucking shit, chicken shit 50 cents. And Warden's like, yeah, they come in. They worship me. You know why? Because I collect the chicken shit 50 cents. Great scene. Yeah. Who do you love? Yourself or the money? Well, well no, no, no. I'm I'm at the Carrie Fisher right now. And they're talking about, you know, are you a faggot? Well, what, you know, are you making it with my mother? Yeah. And I, I love, that's why I say her character is the 70s generation. Those yeah. that don't have no moral, you know, that yeah. don't have the same hang-ups that he does. Right. I mean, he's a nice guy. He's a nice enough guy in the movie, but he thinks that it means something when he just fucks the girls and... That they're like, oh, you're so best. You know. I'm nothing like my mother. Keep that in mind. Yeah. And trust me, if you were her age in the 70s or the late 60s, yeah, I get that. Because at this point, I think she's probably playing like 16, 17. Yeah. Well, and this is who Carrie Fisher was in real life, too, you know. Grabbing your dick. How the fuck are you doing, you son of a bitch? You know, more and more. Now we're at the. Now I'm at the scene with uh, 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 Bodie Hawn and Tony Bill, and he's the director of the the the, the piece that she, uh, the film that she's going to that she's auditioned for. Um, but the more and more I look at this, the more and more you're right about that particular part of this, who she's playing, who he is, so on and so forth. So if you want to get into that. Now, or you want to wait on onto it? Up to you, Steve. Oh, and here comes Lee Grant, wondering where everyone is.
Steve? I'm back. Yeah. Okay. Oh, like, oh, yeah, oh. He, he can't handle the 70s girls. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, he just fucked her, but... No, she fucked him. Yeah, that's true. Re- this is really when he really... When he's having sex with her, he really is the dildo with a pulse. Because yeah. that's how she treats him. And there's a difference between Lee Grant, who walks in on them and uh, basically ignores that they fucked and basically is desperate for a fuck because she doesn't get oh, yeah. any really attention from her husband. He doesn't realize that that's the kind of girl that uh, is attracted to him, is those that don't have any ego but who are desperate for a fuck. Right. Well, you know, there's you've got it right because it's about desperation. It is definitely about desperation. Because you can say one is when the Republicans took over the country. Right. The old guard will always win because the old guard knows what it's like to be fucked as the new guard. So they want to fuck the new guard twice as no, hard as they got fucked. Right. Without a doubt. Yeah. And I'm just at the part right after and looking how bored Carrie Fisher's character looks after fucking him. That says a lot yeah. right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, eh. he didn't satisfy her. No. I should be dry by now. Uh-huh. Yeah, woman. And to be honest, Lee Grant's character is the most sympathetic in the movie. It's going to make you kiss ass. Lee Grant deserved her Oscar for this. Oh, absolutely she did. And why Jack Warden didn't win for this, I don't fucking know. I know. But, like I said, this 74 and 75 was the two hardest fucking years in Oscar history. Such such good films. Seriously. Yeah. But this was the year one flew over the cuckoo's nest. There's no way any film was going to beat that. But 
But let's be honest. If Jaws hadn't won for best score, even you would have been pissed off because that movie is 90% the score. And this movie has oh, an yeah. amazing soundtrack, too. I love the fact that Paul Simon picked songs for it that made it feel like a Greek chorus. There's not that much music in the movie. But when no. a song plays, it actually means something. So you know... Right. Well, hasn't true. Tarantino said that uh, how Ashby and the way he used his soundtracks have been a big influence on him? Yeah. Because imagine Harold and Maude without that Cat Stevens score. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Well, Ashby was really good at that, too. You know, we haven't talked about Ashby. Ashby's one of those characters, uh, one of those directors, who really, you know, looked at the human condition. Again, much like Altman, but but with a much more uh, cynical really? sense than Altman. Much more cynical. No, Alma was cynical. It's just that he's looking through it through a realistic eye, Ashby is. I mean, he had his well, dreamy movies like with Harold and Maude, but, you know. Well, the last detail, too. Bound for Glory. Oh, God, yeah. I am uh, the fucking yeah. Shore Patrol. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And I, how many times well, have I expounded how much I fucking love the ending to the last detail? Spoilers. Yeah. They're just. Oh, this they had don't... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no you, you go, go ahead. ahead. You go ahead because <laughs> yours will fall uh, into I'll... mine better. <laughs> but what I'm saying about this, uh, and I mean. There's no moral redemption. There's no happy ending. There's no buddy-buddy shit. There's just, I can't wait to get my fucking orders. Yeah, let's get the fuck yeah. out of here. Well, if you take a look at all the endings of, of Ashby movies, they're like that. There's no there's no happy endings. Well, there Harold are. and Ma. She but fucking dies. Harold and Maude's happy ending is if you're fucked up, somehow you're going to meet someone as fucked up as you and that's worth waiting for. Okay, so... But him, he thinks he's living the dream, but he isn't. He's like... He wants to be the album, but he's really just a 45 single with a scratch on it. Right. He's disposable. And here's the party scene, which is basically a big chunk of the... This is like the entire last chunk of the movie is this whole bit at the party, isn't it? Yeah, you you got a couple scenes after it, but yeah. And he realizes that he's going into the lion's den, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And he's scared shitless because he knows that every woman that he's been fucking will probably be there. Oh, absolutely, and that's the whole point. How many people have you really met like that in your life? If, if they're in their little bubble, they're happy little sea fish dancing good. But as soon as their bubble is popped by life for just any little, like a sand grain full of annoyance, they're like, mm-hmm. they just lose their shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Oh. Julie Christie only has one mission in that party, and is that to prove to Harry Warden's character that her shit is better than anybody else's. Yeah, she's better than his wife. She's the one that he wants. She's on a mission. It's just that he don't realize that. Oh, did you see what song is playing? Yesterday. Yeah. Another example of how important songs are. Because really, how does the lyrics of that song fit with this? Oh, and there's the big picture of Nixon in the background. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, and Lee Grant. Oh, that's uncomfortable. Yeah. I love the fact that these playlists... It's getting very uncomfortable. You know. Warren Beatty looks like he's got a walnut up his ass the whole time. Yeah. The only one with a grin is Nixon. Because I got it pause, let load, and I'm looking. There's the waiter, fucking miserable. <laughs> there's Goldie Hawn, sad. There's the woman standing behind him, fucking miserable, wishes she was somewhere else. <laughs> and then in the background, there's uh, Nixon with a big guy just fucked your mother grin. Hey, yeah. <laughs> and there's supposed to be a point. And he's not paying attention to the woman he should. You know. Then then you lose everything. You know, and, and, and I might be giving something away with that comment, but it, it should oh. be rather apparent at this point. Well, if you know the lyrics to the song that's playing. Yeah. Well, they just said it right there. He handed her the ticket for Goldie Hawn's coat and said, in case she wants it back. Yeah. Okay. But really, if you know the lyrics to yesterday, you know that this is not going to end well. Yesterday. My troubles seem so far away, but now I know (laughs) that they're here to stay. Why is it so hard just to talk lyrics? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a really good film. Uh, it's interesting because I haven't watched this film in thirty years. I haven't seen this probably in twenty five, thirty years, and it's still just brutal. This film is oh god, brutal. yeah. It has no sympathy for any of the characters except for Lee. No, it doesn't. Which is again the seventies. 
I keep telling people that this is the decade, you know, what I consider the most depressing decade of film and also the best decade in film. No question. Well, look at the, the rubber band snap, snap, which really started in 75. Right. Jaws, Star Wars, yeah. Smokey and the Bandit. Yep. And then things changed. This was still the the era at this point of the director and the writer. That's right. why I love this, 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 this decade. And you know why that really counts, what you just said? Because some what? of the most asshole producers were Warren Beatty's characters as a son of yeah. a bitch. John Peters. Yeah. Uh, what's Peters. his name? Uh, the guy who just died about last month, uh, his name stays in the picture. Robert Evans? It, yeah, Robert Evans. All of them were fucking pimps and pieces of asses that worked their way into power and knew how to control that power. Warren Beatty's character don't know his ass from a hole in the ground. And that's the whole point. Well, he's being controlled by so many different people who want the same thing. And listen, if if I'm sorry, if three women want to fuck you in the same night, you know, it's, you're going to run out of gas. If three women want to fuck you in the same night, fuck the one that wants to fuck you a month from now, not the one who wants to fuck you that night. Right, exactly. He's with Goldie Hawn, but he ignores her. You know why? Yep. Because he's got her. There's no challenge. Some motherfuckers cannot live without the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. Trust me, I know. I have a very good friend like that. I I love this. I I love the interplay between uh, Christy and and, and Warden, too. She's throwing raisins at him right now. Oh, whoever that guy that just ratted out Warren Beatty is, he's a true blue son of a bitch. And he looks just like Robert Evans. Yep. And that's the one thing, that's the one lesson that life teaches you. No matter how big of a son of a bitch you are, there is always going to be a bigger son of a bitch out there, and you need to watch out for them. Oh, absolutely. Because you can always be out son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think that's why Warden picks Julie Christie as because she's as big of a 
son of a bitch as he is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't. Or do you think that uh, Jack Ward's character is going to discard? Let's get into the Trumpism. Not because of right. Trump's president, well, just because. Uh, do you think that he's going to be like Trump, and that is when uh, Julie Christie's character gets a little old, he's going to dump her for the Goldie Hawn? Yep. <laughs> Tell us what's so funny. Uh, the, the whole thing with uh, uh, Beatty and w- Warden. Warden. Uh, Warden deserve. No, here we come up with a major scene here. And they're at dinner. Okay, this is yeah. major. Oh, is this the legendary scene? Yeah, this is the legendary. Now, I'm going to say something here before this happens. Uh, uh, there are um, urban legends that say that this actually happened on set. They are wrong. It did not. Okay? That is verified by both Wade, uh, Christie and Beatty. And she was extremely uncomfortable with this scene. See William Castle? There he is at the table. Yeah, I wonder why William Castle is in there. Huh. Uh, we'll have to wait till maybe when we get close to the ending, and then I'll tell the whole story of why William Castle's appropriate to be in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, we'll wait until the end. Right here. Uh, here we go. I'm going to read this. And this is on Vulture.com. And this is an excerpt from Lee Grant's memoir about her steamy shampoo days of uh, uh, shampoo. Warren Bates right, was okay. Michael's friend. Mike had a wonderful-looking assistant, a tall young girl built like a young boy. Mike was offering this jewel to Warren, but Warren was interested in me. I have a movie to you, for you, she, he said. The movie turned out to be Shampoo, which he wrote with Bob Town. Goldie Hawn was in Shampoo, and so was Julie Christie, both with whom Warren had romances, with Julie Long, with Goldie Movie Link. I found that good danger zone again in Shampoo, and I found a death and absence of death in the narrow life of my character, Felicia. Costumer Anthea Silbert designed the clothes. She had done them for the prison of 2nd Avenue, but I, so, and I knew her well. She had my character's name embroidered in the lining of her mink coat. I'm glad I did this role before my fear of failing spread to film. The first film we shot, Warren and I, was a scene where I returned to my Beverly Hills mansion with my hair in rollers under a scarf. Warren, the hairdresser, is waiting for me. But to real, obstinately to comb out my hair, but to really meet my ravenous sexual needs. As I write this, my heart thumps in the remembered, ant- remembered anticipation, 
My sense of memory of it is so strong. The hairdresser Warren plays in the film is Just Fuck My Daughter, played by Carrie Fisher. I open the door, see in there, and say something like, come upstairs and comb me out, which we talked about, right, Carl? Right. Before we ever did the scene, Warren sent me down at a little glass table and proceeded to tell me what my character Felicia was thinking in the script. I was stunned how Ashby, my friend and favorite director, was directing Shampoo. He would never say anything but surprise me to me. And here was Warren, who I was supposed to relate to as my hairdresser, sitting me down before I went on character and telling me what my character thought. Listen, he said. A friend of mine had someone going down on him under a desk. His girlfriend walked in and walked out again. She never saw it, didn't choose to know. She blocked it out. Maybe she knows that's what comes with the territory, I said. No, no, I really know this. Women just don't see what they don't want to see. How does that really describe uh, Warren Beatty's character in this movie? Oh, absolutely. I went home that night with a raging migraine. I couldn't sleep. I went to the set the next day. The migraine was so bad I couldn't see straight. It was a scene where Felicia takes the hairdresser up to her bedroom to have sex with him. I kept on my mink coat, my headscarf, and my boots, pulled down my panties, and got on top of him. Behind the camera, Hal hissed, Open your mouth, open your mouth, use your tongue. I can, I hissed back. I'm sick, I'll throw up. The next day, I came onto the set after thinking all night. The migraine was gone, and I wasn't working that day. I went up to hell. I'm quitting. I can't work with an actor who gives me direction. Okay, he said. How was mellow? I asked Warren to give me a minute when he was three. I sat on the iron ladder, ladder steps watching the action. Warren lunged up the iron steps charging and sat on the step below me. I'm quitting, I said. I can't work with an actor I'm playing with directing me. What? It's making me sick. It's not how I work. What do you mean? You're my hairdresser. My hairdresser doesn't tell me how to think. And you're not my director. How would never tell me what I think about anything? Listen, no, this is not going to work. Get someone else to play the part. Will you listen a minute? What do I know, huh? This is my sixth movie. Do what you want. I'm crazy about this. You know that? Huh? Huh? You mean it? You'll stop pushing your dumb theories about women on me? Sure. Okay. <laughs> That's when I became Warren's romance for the movie. The air was so thick with heat that the hairdresser had hot dreams. <laughs> I, as frustrated Alicia, sex star Felicia, was in such a constant state of heat that I wanted to pull truck drivers out of their cabs. <laughs> No one was safe. Of course, Joey got more and better sex than he dreamed of. At that point, I slash Alicia immediately knew that my hairdresser made love to my Okay, I need daughter. to stop you now. I need okay, to stop you. Okay? Now, here we are at the party below the party, which is the younger people. If you, as you were going on, they had the Indian guy blessing Nixon. Think about that for a second. So now, yeah. scene has happened. 
And here Holy we are. Fucking shit. He's trying to find uh, Julie Christie. And, and he's also trying to find Goldie Hawn. Carl, I'm going to tell you something scary you probably didn't notice. In that scene where Julie what? Christie is giving her the blowjob, guess whose picture's right over next to Nixon? Yep. That's Ronald Reagan's picture. Jesus Christ! Is this movie? Did this movie become psychic all of a sudden? Yeah. So Nixon, and then our next Republican president elected in was Reagan. But yeah, how do you like? But doesn't that describe his character? How he was able to seduce and convince the woman to do, eat shit. Because his character was in love with it, man. Yeah. But in reality... Warren Beatty's legend really much, pretty much died out. He calmed down in the 80s a lot, especially after he met Annette Bening. Right. And to me, that's when people started really not caring about Warren Beatty. We wanted Warren Beatty to stud from Shampoo and Bonnie and Clyde and the, he fucked all the women. But we didn't want right. Warren Beatty, he's a married man, even though Bugsy was a pretty goddamn good mob movie. You know, I, I mean, the funny thing is, Warren Beatty was was really big, but I never put him in the same uh, category as De Niro or Hackman. I always thought of him oh, as a lighter actor. Would you agree with that? Yeah, because look at this heavy movie, which he did out of this is Red, which is one of the most boring movies ever freaking. Made. Yeah. Now, I mean, to me, his best film is McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Yeah. And then there he also plays the dumbass. Right, exactly. Stars is a good movie. Shampoo is an excellent movie, but he's an asshole. Uh, um, Dick Tracy, interesting. Bugsy is a great movie. But after that, not so much. I mean, Town and Country's fun, too. But he really hasn't done a lot. The last one he did was Rules Don't Apply in 2016, and before that was just uh, uh, an appearance on TV, and then Town and Country before that. So he basically has retired, more or less, at this point. Yeah. You're always so happy, George. But yeah, I mean, really, 
to me, the blowjob scene is not about Warren Beatty getting head. It's about her exposing every one of them as fucking bullshit ponies. Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Dead on. Though I did love the moment when uh, William Castle just looked under the table and just went, huh? (laughs) (laughs) See, you didn't even remember that William Castle was in this movie, did you? I didn't know who William Castle was back then. Comprende? I did. Oh, come on. Oh, I did. Because I'd seen The Tingler, I'd seen all those films. Right. Forget, you forget on the video generation, I had to wait till that stuff popped up. I didn't seem to see House on Haunted Hill until the 90s when I went to a, a moldy-ass little video store that had that had a, a shitload of grungy titles. They were renting for like a nickel apiece, and that's how I seen The House on the Haunted Hill. So one of the interesting things here is now, now Jack Warren's at this uh, the the hip party. He's just taken LSD, and you get the this scene is just wondrous. And he underplays it. Yeah, it's one of those things like if Warren Beatty's character would have taken the LSD, would it have would it have affected him at all? No, probably not. Mm. So another another thing about this movie too is when it comes right down to it, it's about loss. And it's about you losing something that, that you had in the palm of your hand and you fucked it up, right? It's about change, so too. I don't know if this, and you this is the proper time that you should tell the story about uh, who Warren Beatty should is basically at this point. I think you should probably get into that now. Well, Goldie Hawn's character, there's a reason why... Uh, Goldie Hawn's uh, William Castle was in the movie. And that's because, what movie did he produce in 1968? He did uh, uh, Rosemary's Baby, of course. Rosemary's Baby. Who was starred, and it's character sitting next to Goldie Hawn's character, Roman Polanski. And... It was... And Warren and... uh, Goldie Hunt's character is supposed to be Sharon Tate. And Warren Beatty's character, honestly, the story of the character, well, the end game is Jay Sebring. Jay Sebring. So there's that sense of dread all through the movie that even if Warren Beatty's character could change, and he didn't. He's already dead. No. And that's another reason I think they said it in 68 and 69 is because they didn't want to deal with that part of the end game. 
Right. Because Jay Sebring spent the last year of his life just living like, oh, and if you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we're going to go to the end of the Steve McQueen story, which is Jay Sebring hung around Sharon Tate knowing and hoping that Roman Polanski would fuck up and then Sharon Tate would run back into his arms. Right. But 68 was such a major year of change. Everybody in this whole movie changes. Except yeah, Warren Beatty's absolutely. character. Either he's blind, deluded, or he's so... some, Or, as they say, he's so happy rolling in the shit pile that he's in that he don't want to change. Or what fool do you think himself. He's full of himself. He thinks he's in control. He thinks he's going to get everything he wants, and he gets nothing. You don't know what you got until... And right here, the scene with Goldie Hawn and Tennis Court, this is the scene where Warren Beatty's character truly loses everything. Right. Very true. Look how sad Julie Christie looks at him. She knows it's over and he doesn't. Yeah, oh, very much so. Very much so. And he, yeah. (laughs) Jack Warden deserves the Oscar. Seriously, yeah. so good. I've always, it confused the hell out of me when I seen George Burns won for the Sunshine Boys. He was great in it, but best supporting actor. Yeah, but this... I mean, there's other iffy years like when, uh, what's-his-name, one for playing Bella Lugosi, Martin Landau. I was like, yeah. no, Samuel Jackson was that good in Pulp Fiction. But you could tell that it was Landau's year because he was that good. Yeah. And as much as I love... George Burns. And, and here he sees Julie Christie. <laughs> oh, this is bad. Oh, God. Yeah, where his wife catches him and everything just boom explodes. Yeah, yeah, this oh, this is painful. <laughs> to me, that 
that's his biggest fuck-up is when he says, I can't imagine being with Jill when I'm 50 years old. When you're 50 years old, you want a Jill. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You don't want a Julie Christie's character. I mean, she's great and all that, but... She's not the kind of girl you want to settle down with because you know she's always going to be looking for something better. She definitely yep. is what you call a Generation Joneser. She's always going to be Jonesing for more. Oh, this 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 is just this is brutal. Everything just implodes. You yeah. just fuck everything up. And there's another movie that came out a year before, year before this or after it was. It came out before this, I think. Oliver Reed and I'll never forget what's her name. Yeah. There's a scene where Oliver Reed is at a party. And he looks at this guy who's older than him. He said, look at all the 20-year-olds here. Why are there so many 20-year-olds here? What was so special about tonight, 20-year-olds, 20 years ago? And the guy looks at him and he said, all the adults went home. And the next scene yep. is Oliver Reed going home. I think I reached that age when I was about 30 or 35. What about you? I think it was even earlier for me. I mean, I never found the right person. I always wanted to find the right person. But, yeah, probably around 35, 40. I love that. At the same time, why did they have uh, the Polanski stand-in wear the Bogdanovich uh, collar? I, well, maybe they're putting the two characters together. Remember this, you know... You know, the story you said, they weren't going to say it specifically. They were going to distance themselves. Robert Town was also uh, a friend's uh, uh, new new Polanski and knew the whole character. And so, so, you know, the more and more I see this, the more and more you're right. I always thought it was more John Peters. But, but, but no, I think you're, you're dead on with it. It's Jay Seaburn. Yeah, and that's why you have that sense of sadness about the the Warren Beatty character without you thinking about it. Right. It's just that back then when the movie came out, the Polanski tape murders were still so raw in '75. Oh. Oh yeah, and they were very raw. You know, uh, remember this, I think it was the year before, that they finally put Helder Skeller on TV. Yeah. So, yeah, without a doubt. By the flowers, oh, incredibly high. Yeah. Oh, God. You see that right there, 
uh, at the scene of uh, what's his name, Warden's character at the party. Uh huh. That's why he's going to win. Oh yeah. If you can't invite him in. The Warren Beatty character would be like, "Nah, I'm good." Him. Come on in. Why the hell not? Yeah. That's how you make it. Can't be afraid of trying something new. The thing about Warden, I I love his character. And in fact, if you really look at it, uh, his character is probably one of the most sympathetic. Because he, he doesn't put on airs. He's who he is. He has fun. He, he knows he, his wife is screwing around and he's screwing around. He doesn't give a shit. You know? I mean, I mean really, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I said earlier, the Jack Warden's character is who we want to be. Not the one yeah. baby character. And it's not just because of the money. No. No, no he... I I like his character. It's like it's like the old uncle that you had. That's a cool uncle. You know, he'll do shit that nobody else does. Right? Yeah. Good stuff. Or sort of like Groucho Marx was so loved on the set of Skidoo. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Very much so. Yeah, when they brought out that joint, and he's like, "You smoking this shit? Try this shit." <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay, so I have to ask you a question. Where are you right now? I was just at the part with the party, right? What? Right after Goldie's lost Goldie Hawn forever. Right. Okay. So when you get back to, he's in the apartment and he's starting to argue with with uh, uh, That's Goldie right, Hawn right now. What? You see, there's a Steven? difference. Uh, what's her name's character? Uh, the old lady is happy to ignore that his wife's fucking around. Goldie Hawn's right. character, she ain't playing that shit no more. No. As she said, she don't want everyone to know but her not knowing. Right. And Warren Beatty's character is still putting on the same old shuck and jive, you know. Right, exactly. And it doesn't Come on, look like You know, let's just keep things the way they are. I like the way things are. Mm-hmm. And really, why does he like the way things are? being bitched at for not collecting, uh, as they say, not collecting the 50 cents for the cup of coffee, uh, be uh, screwing pathetic old women who can't get laid by their husbands. And I love his excuse. Yeah, I fucked them all. It's the same as the excuses and I spit on your grave. They don't really listen to them. And how, they're like, 
That's bullshit. That's the point. Yeah. The things you do to justify to yourself what you do to get yourself through the night are bullshit. Oh, totally. You know, why did you eat my last cookie? Well, I was hungry and there was nothing else in the house. I mean, you would have done the same thing. I just see these women, and they just want me, and it makes me happy to make them happy. Oh, you. Your whole self-worth is based on a woman's coming. Right. He actually is some of his best acting. He is very good in this. Beatty is very good in this. You can ask the male adult porn stars. There comes a day when, when you first start, you're like, yeah, I get to fuck all these women, yeah. And there becomes a day when you're like, well, I just want to get paid. There comes like like uh, the dick took the car keys and went home. <laughs> yeah, but you know there always comes a day when you want to have enough money to not. Yeah, tell me about it. They're so great looking. Fuck you. There's no excuse. No, Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Good. That's exactly true. I mean, really. In your younger days, in your 20s and stuff, how many times did you have a chance to screw a girl that you just decided, well, that would be morally wrong if I did, so you just didn't do it, even though you could have and you wanted to? I remember actually a couple times I didn't. Not in my 20s. It was later than that. But We won't go into uh, those stories, but no. Yeah. And it goes the same with alcohol, drugs. Oh, yeah. Any addictive, because he's addicted to it. Let's face it. It's an addiction with with George. He's addicted to girls wanting him. Mm -hmm. He's not a sex addict. He's addicted to the being wanted. And the one person that wants and cares for him the most, he don't want her because... He's addicted to the thrill of the hunt. Or to quote clerks, and this is still true today, most girls will fuck around on you, but it's not many they'll bring you lasagna to work. Yeah. And even I took that line seriously and when I first seen that movie, rather than funny. Mm-hmm. And that's true. So, so here we are with Warden and Beatty. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that that whole party and the whole LSD thing really has opened up Warden's mind and made him more? Oh, mellow? absolutely, absolutely. The positive no side of it. LSD. And listen to this 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 uh, dialogue here. Uh, 
This is a great scene. Great scene. Well, any of the post-party scenes are great scenes. Yeah. I love the fact that when Goldie Hawn kicks him out, he still has that dumb... He has that blank look on his face like he don't understand why someone don't get him. You know? It is very sad when you get to the end of a movie and the character that you're supposed to be following, your thing is as stupid as he is at the first. But that's the whole point of this. Yeah. And if you bring in the J.C. Brings, it's even worse because he dies a year later from this. He never gets it. He never gets the bros. He never even gets the brass ring. He never even gets the plastic ring in the motherfucking change machine. No. And I love how to bring us together. Okay, we're going in overtime here. So if you're listening live and you're watching this with this live, well, you're going to have to wait five or ten minutes or maybe 20, to catch up with us and listen to the rest of the show. Thank you for listening, and it's sad that Carl's month is about over, about 20 minutes, part of the month. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this whole movie's about when you when you personally get to the moment where are you going to shit, are you going to shit or get off the pot? It's like when you left New York the first time, isn't it, Carl? Yeah. You decided, am I going to shit or get off the pot? And you decided, I'm going to get the shit out of there. You know? Yeah. It may not have pan... Well, yeah, it did pan out. You got a hell of a job for about how many years? 30 years? Yeah. Yeah. I did okay. You did better than okay. Most people don't wish they'd gotten us what what you had. You know. 
Look at all these whiners that say, we got to start the economy back up. we got to start the economy back up. <laughs> this movie is still pertinent today. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the reasons we're doing it. Well, I thought we'd done it. And again, and again uh, I have to bring this up. So, so Warden yeah. basically gives him the break. Yeah. Seabree himself got to open his own hairdressing salon, but he wasn't there much because he was obsessed with Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. Because you really don't get it in the trailers. But this movie has a forbidding sense of doom on it for the fucking first frame. Oh, absolutely. And look at the, how the songs start light, like, wouldn't it be nice? And then towards the end, manic depression. You know. <laughs> yeah. And no matter how many times he loses, he still has that look on his face like, well, what's going on here? This isn't right. This isn't how I pictured it. Yeah, I'm here. So, so this is the end. This is where where uh, he goes to uh, Julie Christie. Okay, my phone's about to die, and I'm I, when I go out, I'll go out and uh, I'll fit this show. But let's do this. Yeah, this is basically beat for beat what happened to Sebring. Is that he was engaged to Sharon Tate, but she went she went off with uh, Polanski, right?
okay, things went kind of south and it ended. So we are adding this little 20 minute addendum to the thing and it goes back to the Goldie Hawn scene when she's pulling up. Thank you for putting up with us and again, have a great day from KSDAD Radio. And here we go, and this whole world is gone by this time. Yep, it is. He doesn't realize it. He doesn't it. know it. He doesn't know it yet, but it's over. And we have, we've over. talked a lot about Jay Sebring's, but not John Peters. The, this whole speech right here is a John Peters speech that's coming up. You know, the whole why he fucks so many women? Yep. That's a John Peters speech. He's actually said that in a Playboy interview, if you want to look it up. I forget what issue it in, but yeah, he did say that. He's like, he just loves pussy. He loves, he loves fucking pussy. He just loves making the girls happy, you know? And haven't we all had this moment, Carl? Carl? Mm-hmm. Well, here, okay, what she's saying here is, is part of the crux of the whole thing. Yeah. And I love that sign back there. It says 1653. It proves that he's out of date. Mm-hmm. But yeah, John Peters is pussy hound side of Warren Beatty's character comes from. But yeah, how many times have we all got to this point where we have this argument? You know. Yeah. I just want to know what you did. And why do we lie to ourselves and say that we do? Why? This is definitely taken from, like I just said, quotes from John Peters. This is his best acting in the whole film, by the way. What would happen if you tried to use that excuse to a woman, Carl? I, 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 one, she'd know I was lying. <laughs> but if if I were born, baby, I wouldn't do it. I mean, Jesus. I'd oh, get no, killed. it'd be a two-hit fight. Shit hit him, dick would hit the dirt. Yeah. Just looking the hate in her face right there. And disappointment, too. It's not just hate. Yeah, disappointment. 
It's disappointment more than anything else. No one's going to tell me I don't like them that much. What the fuck? Fuck you. Yeah, that's... I mean... <laughs> In her response... No. I'm glad you told me. Now I want you to get to the house. And he expects a big hug. I mean, look, he's expecting everything to yeah. go back to normal. And yeah. there's the look again. Yep. <laughs> they say ignorance is bliss, and how come he's never happy? Yeah, that, that's a good point. But, yeah, going back to Jay Sebring's, after his death, Polanski has said that Jay Sebring was always alone, was always a sad, lonely guy, even though he lived the lifestyle of the Hollywood stylist who'd come to your house for like 500 to $1,000 a visit. Well, you know, the loneliness has to do with no emotional connection. He has no emotions. You know, it's all using. And, and this is the problem with the character. He's a user. He doesn't know how to give. And, and to find real love, you have to give. Period. Yeah. Um, and Polanski said, and this is the second part, he said he Sharon as his family. And right here, you would think he's going to get the shit beat out of him since it's the 70s, wouldn't you, Carl? There, this, this, this is a great scene. This is this is where Warden proves that he should have won the Oscar. Seriously. And look, J.M.B. Scotch. <laughs> yep. How does that, what Nixon's saying on TV, really relate to Jack Warden? Winning, I can tell you, winning's a lot more fun. Yeah. It's This is great scene.
a little bit. <laughs> this is the only time you ever see Warren Beatty actually talk man to man with a man in this whole fucking movie. Yeah, that's true. And they're both fucking confused. Admits it. I don't know anything. And you notice what he's listening to now. Yeah. Politics. Right. He never listened well, to that early make it- in the movie. You know. Mm -hmm. I think he's woke. (laughs) No. But he's an interesting character. What's the difference? They're all jerks. What's the difference? They're all a bunch of jerks. But what I mean is, Jack Warden's character is woke, awoke, awoken. He's woke yeah, up. Yeah, he's awakened. Do it that way. Okay, where does this mm. come from? Well, about this time, like a, like they said, uh, uh, Sebring lost Tate to Polanski, and Rychek Krakowski, who he had just met, the heir to the Folger fortune, had uh, invested in his shop. So, you know, these characters aren't completely based on the real life 
Because uh, there, there's a little difference. But there, certainly, yeah. you know, once you've mentioned that to me and I watched the movie uh, in prep for this, I saw I saw the connections quite a bit. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And after all the gay jokes about Norman earlier in the movie. Right. And look, he doesn't realize what's going on here. No, he doesn't. He just... This whole world last is just collapsed. Yeah. Last guest of the great American hero of the 70s. Honestly, only in the of 70s course, that's, did they that's, get away. Uh, what? Hold on. Hold on, Steve. That's uh, the canyon. You're definitely yeah. in the canyon right now. I forget what that road is. But that that goes up the mountain. I think it's Topanga. It might be Topanga. I, I don't remember. Yeah. I'm not an L.A. person. I'm a New York person. Yeah. Yeah, because there's right off Topanga Canyon, right there, the famous make-out spot. Right. How many movies have you seen this place used in? Oh, several. Several.
Do you think he means it, or is this just desperation on his part? No, I think he means it at this point. I think he means it. Because it means more if he means it. To what happens. Ooh, that line. work here is really good. Oh, yeah. She, she, she does a wonderful job here. Because you can see the heart is, is, is split. But she's... And honestly, I think she's making the right choice. I do, too. You know, I don't expect her relationship with Lester to last, but... Well, we know how the relationship pretty much ends, but... <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. And here you have one of the few times in the movie where there's an actual score behind it. And look at him, he's wandering around like a lost little child. Well, that's exactly what he is. That's a metaphor for the lost generation. For the generation that lost all well, the dreams and, and all the, that they that's wanted. how Polanski described Sebring. Yeah. I think that whole scene with them in the living room shows why Lester is the best, him, Lester is the better choice. Because he's become politically yeah. aware. He's awakened to what's going on. Right. He's afraid of not living. More basic right. characters always afraid of living. Yeah. I happen to agree with you on that. And of course, he he's, uh, Lester is definitely... Uh, uh, more, you know, more well off and so on and so forth. Well, that, that, that doesn't that matter. Smile, but he smile, said that don't mean shit. Hold on. What, that smile? And then it, it fades, and then she looks up at, at where Beatty is. That tells you so much in 30 seconds without one more. Yeah. Go ahead, finish up. Steve, sorry. What I mean is that even he says in that scene, don't mean shit. You can lose all the money tomorrow. 
Yeah. Yeah. And as a movie that's marketed as a comedy, how freaking sad is this movie? And depressing. There's not that many laugh-out-loud moments in this movie. But it was still marketed as a comedy. Comedy, I know. Oh, I know. Remember, I'm the one that edited the trailer. If we were older and we wouldn't have... Ironically, that the movie's book ended with this song. Yep. But oh, by yeah. the way, there's one thing i got to mention, and, and, and it's unfortunate that I didn't put it out. You know who else is in this movie that we who? missed? Who? Howard Hesterman. Oh. He's one of the hippies. Yeah. Man, I mean, it's really sad. He's lost every fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they give you the hope that, yeah, he may get a shot, but there's a reason why that they didn't do the full Sebring on this. Yeah. Sid Roth. You know who Sid Roth was in real life? No. One of the biggest producers there was. Okay. Holy shit, Sharon fucking Kelly. Yeah. You know who Sharon Kelly is, don't you? Not offhand, no. The adult star, redheaded, crazy girl. Oh, 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 shit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she was one of those in the pool scene, I think. She was the painted lady. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is not in the pool scene, it's in the party scene. <laughs> the party has the conservative party and, the, and, and, and the, the liberal, you know, the younger crowd. She's the painted lady in the younger crowd party. Yeah, I love that. I mean, just Warden just going, Hey, what the fuck? Sometimes you have to do that. And that's what... Yeah. I mean, in so any other movie, you, you would be thinking at the end, Wow, maybe this will cause Warren Beatty's character to change his life around. He'll get his shop and get his shit together. No, but I, I don't. I don't get that from the movie. Actually, I don't. No. I, you know, I mean, certainly we hope that would be the case, but I don't get it. I don't think he learns. No. Well, if you really go by the character that he was ninety percent based on, uh, no. he's dead in the year. Yeah. Yeah, everybody does really good work, and and you know what? I I think we ought to at least mention again we did at the beginning of this that Goldie Hawn is a damn good actress, Mm -hmm. and anyone who puts her in as the dumb blonde 
and, and thinks that's all she ever did is dead wrong. Seriously. I know. If you want to see her at her real best, watch stuff like uh, Private Benjamin. There's a girl in my suit, Cactus Flower. This movie. You give her something to do, and she'll do the, the quote, uh, Jackie Brown. Well, no, what is it? Foxy Brown. You give her something to do, and she'll do the hell out of it. Well, to paraphrase. Every one of the actors and actresses in this is really either at the start or at their prime, wouldn't you say, Carl? Carl? Oh, there he is. And she still is doing excellent work. She's also yeah. one of the few people uh, who is mentioned in a song, had a song put have written about say him. who he is. What? You got knocked off for a moment, so say who he is. It's still doing excellent work. I said they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I was talking, I was talking particularly Julie Christie. Julie Christie is still doing excellent work, and she, uh, you know, she's in several films and 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 has done, and even previous to this with Patulia and and, and that, uh, she's in one of my favorite films, which is called uh, No Such Thing. Uh, but one of the things about her is she was a really, even at this point in time and before that, she, especially in Britain, she was a big icon. And she's one of the few people that actually have a song where she's mentioned by name, yeah. um, and and not named. The song is "Waterloo Sunset" by the Kinks. But one of the things about Julie Christie is she's always been connected, also with her her uh, uh, her lovers. And in that one, she she started out her first great love affair was with Terrence Stamp, and so it's Terry and Julie. Uh, is is in the song lyric, but she's just she's an amazing actress. Uh, do you have a favorite Julie Christie film? Yeah, don't look now. Yeah, one of the great films of all time. Don't look now. What did no. Carrie so, Fisher do? Did she do any big little film after Shampoo? I mean, her follow up to Shampoo wasn't that big, was it? Well, I have to take a look here, just a moment, because, uh, okay, hold on, hold on, uh, just a second, Julie Christie, there we go, I'm almost there, give me a moment, so, just to give you an idea, here we go. So, previous to this, you know, uh, Billy Liar, Darling, Dr. Shivago, Fahrenheit 451, Far From the Madden Crowd, Patulia, The Go-Between, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Don't Look Now, Shampoo, and then she's, she basically plays herself in a, you know, 
in Nashville just for a cameo. But right after that, she hooks up with Donald Kamel uh, in Demon Seed. Good God. Yeah. And then, uh, and then she uh, hooks up again with... Hold on, hold on. She hooks up again with Warren Beatty at uh, Heaven Can Wait, too. Which is a fine little film. Yeah. Only because Buck But go ahead. Mm-hmm. But yeah, here's a story from the state of Shampoo. It's like the last uh, week of filming, and Carrie Fisher's late. And she's and Warren's like, where the hell were you? We're supposed to film a scene. Oh, I was auditioning. I got this part in this little movie this crazy hippie guy called George Lucas did. I don't know if he'll get the money to make it, but I got the role anyway. Mm-hmm. And you can yep. just guess who that was. Uh, well, of course, that was uh, Star Wars. Yeah. That was Star Wars. How, I mean, how, that's weird that she went straight from shampoo to Star Wars. Oh, yeah, she did, too. She did, absolutely. Um, just a moment. Let me look at her, her IMDb, too, just. Just a second. Okay. There we go. So, Carrie Fisher. And here we go. So, she does shampoo. Okay. Let me go back here. Okay. So, then she goes on to Star Wars, directly on to Star Wars in 1977. That's her second film. Yep, you're absolutely right. And what's funny is, in the, a night in the Blues Brothers, you know why she got that role in the movie? No. Because she actually was dating uh, John Belushi at the time, she actually did try to kill him. <laughs> okay. Caught him with a woman and was beating his car down with a baseball bat. Alrighty then. You don't fuck with Carrie Fisher. <laughs> no, you don't. That's very true. Very true. But yeah, and Warren Beatty, well, he did Reds after this and Heaven Can Wait. And didn't, he didn't do much for the rest of the 80s for some reason. No, he was doing producing. He was doing other things. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, again, uh, you know, he really hasn't done much in the last 10 years. Uh, His last big decade was the 90s. Right. But you look look at this. Okay, so you've got Shampoo. Then he goes yeah. on and does The Fortune, which is not a good movie, even though it's directed by Mike Nichols. It has Jack Nicholson in it. No. Does Heaven Can Wait. Red. Then Ishtar. Goodness. <laughs> Dick Tracy. Okay, now I know why he didn't do much in the 80s. And uh, then Bugsy. Love Affair, 
uh, and Bullworth, basically. That's his 90s output. I like Bugsy. Oh, so do I. So do I. Love Affair is another one of his wank films, just like uh, Red. Yeah, and, and I didn't like Bullworth. Didn't like Bullworth. That one um, was funny. I think the last film bit, but... that. Okay, I think the last film he did that I liked, and I have not seen Rules Don't Apply, is Town and Country. I like Town and Country a lot. I thought that was fun. And that was another legendary over budgeted mess. Yeah. But I really liked it. I, I think it's a fun film. Yeah, I think Roger Ebert said that. He said the worst thing about town and country is it's not as good as it could have been. But it's not horrible as it could have been either. Right. Well, well, Buck Henry uh, uh, co-wrote the screenplay, and you can tell. It's got, it's got the yeah. Buck Henry, you know, you know, attitude, which I really That's like. the best Buck Henry script of the 90s. Mm. No, I didn't say what, but it's still a real good script. Yeah, for some reason, this is one of those movies that was big back in 1975. Uh, you, as we were talking about last night, and you mentioned, this is not really mentioned much when people talk Ashby. No, it's not. It's not. And 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 I think part of it is because with most of his films, you've got somebody you can root for, right? You got yeah. Harold, you know. You've got you got Podesky uh, in the Last Detail. Uh, uh, you got Peter Sellers. You got these people as chance. You got these people, but in this one. Your main character, you, you can't root for him. He's a fucking asshole. And I think, you know, that's very true of the 70s. We embraced that in film. But going on, looking back 40 years later, you know, most people are not going to like him and not connect to the film. And I can actually kind of understand that. Oh, and I wouldn't put this in Manson's exploitation either, because they try their best. I think they do a hell of a good job to distance themselves from the events of 1969. No, it, it, it doesn't even mention those events. It's before those right. events. It's before those events. But it also expects you, and they probably wasn't that hard to do in '75. For you to know where the real characters was and where he was going. Yeah. And that's another thing about 70s films, you really don't talk about that much. Mm-hmm. They don't expect you to be stupid. No, they don't. Absolutely not. You got to be smart. Well, be they smart. either take to be smart or smart enough. Mm-hmm. We want you to know what we're not telling you. Same with performance. 
And uh, same with the one we're watching today. It's like, God damn, this month's gone back too goddamn fast, man. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. And what would you consider, just since you got it up, the best of the 70s style collection that we haven't done? Okay, well, let's see. I probably have lost that. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to check. Can you? Are you there? Can Can you just give me the film yeah, real quick? Yeah, I can quick? do it easily. Let me. Yeah, do my, it. My video box back on. And I'm going to try to get on too. Give me a second. I'm working on it. Uh, let's see. Shaft. Yes. Okay, Shaft. But that's an easy one. Clute. Yes. Clute. Clute's a damn What's good movie. The, What's up, Doc? Okay. Eh, eh. Would you put that as an eh? Yeah, basically. Only watch the ending where Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny show up. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay, so here we go. Here we go. Seven, here, I got it now. I got it now. Okay. So, okay. So, okay, so Shaft, Clute. Uh, let's Brown, not, Dad. okay. Foxy Brown, Three Days of Condor. Uh, Star is Born, Welcome to L.A., and Annie Hall. Of the ones that we have not seen, okay, mm-hmm. and thank God it's Friday and Night's Allure Mars, uh, I would say the two I would recommend would be Welcome to L.A. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't seen that in a long while, but uh, you can't go wrong with Alan Rudolph, okay? He's also an open protege. Uh, so I would say that, but, but the one I love, the one I can absolutely guarantee you I love is Three Days of the Condor. Uh, I, I yeah, absolutely love that film. And, and another one I would recommend is Clue. Those would be the three that I would recommend of what we have not watched. Three Days of the Condor came at the height of the 70s paranoia thriller boom. Yeah. And it's fucking good. It also has Max von Sydow in a really good supporting role. Uh, Robert Redford at his Robert Redfordist. And and just really good film. Um, without a doubt. And the other one I recommend that we haven't seen, because Carl picked two good great picks. Would be Eyes of Laura Mars, because most John Carpenter fans don't know that film, do they? No, they don't. And and the thing is, Carpenter didn't direct it, but Carpenter wrote the the piece. Yeah. He and we're not going to give anything away, but let's just say there's always Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. But you can see Carpenter's fingerprints all over the movie. Mm-hmm. 
The one to avoid is probably what's up, Doc. Sorry. People love it, though. I mean, if you're in the mood, if you're in the mood for a for a uh, screwball comedy, uh, it is Criterion recommends it, so it's not horrible. We all know that. It's just not my cup of tea. That's all. I've never been a fan of uh, Bogdanovich's nostalgia nostalgia ma- masturbation cycle of the seventies. Neither have I, actually. Uh, I'm not a huge Bogdanovich fan. Uh, there are exceptions in terms Does that Bogdanovich is the best film according to us on uh, Criterion Channel, which you should watch? Which is Target. Yeah, Target. Um, the funny thing is, neither one of us picked out either Shaft or Foxy Brown, and what... You know why? What I would say... Well, I, I'm going to say why. Because... Those are the ones that people know. And Foxy Brown is actually not Pam Gurr's best, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, what do you consider her that would, be, that would be coffee. But what what Stephen and I love about black flotation is do a deep dive on black flotation and find some of the stuff. Like we did, of course, uh, um, uh, the... Um, what was the name of the movie we just did? Oh, Bingo Long. We did Bingo Long. What was the one before that? The uh, the lost one. I, I I can't remember things these days. Book of Numbers. Book of Numbers. Book of uh, Numbers is on, on, on YouTube. You it's actually fantastic. Fan you're listening Watch. to our show. Shafts or Foxy Brown. There's something fucking wrong with you. Yeah. Oh, Foxy Brown's a great movie. I, I just happen yeah. to like coffee better. That's all. And I don't like uh, Annie Hall, but it has my favorite Woody Allen moment of all time. Mm-hmm. Who is it? The the book learned, learned guy that the guy's Michael, uh, Marshall McLuhan. Marshall McLuhan. Yeah. He's like in the he's like Marshall McLuhan blah 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 and Woody goes no you're wrong. He's like how do you know? Do you know Marshall McLuhan? Why, yes. Yes, I do. And he's standing right there. Hello, I'm Marshall McLuhan. And I can honestly say, full, yeah. you don't know shit about me. <laughs> yeah, if I were to say what my favorite uh, Woody Allen moment is, uh, my favorite Woody Allen movie is Love and Death. I... I I, I adore that. And my favorite moment is the end credits where he's dancing with death. Uh, uh, and, and there's just so many moments in that movie I just love. But yeah. But it, that that moment in Annie Hall is well worth it too. Yeah, but next week to wrap this month up, which I really don't want to be over because we're having so much fun and doing such quality work on it. I hope I, that we are. Is Nicholas Rogue's The Man Who Fell to Earth. Another film, if you look at the trailer, you're going to be fucking highly disappointed if you watch the movie wanting that trailer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, how bombastic is that trailer for that movie? 
that 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 they're trying to sell a movie they didn't know how to sell. That's yeah. what that trailer is. They had no idea how to sell the man who fell to us. But at least they they were able to the hook on to to uh, Bowie and, and try to sell it that way. Um, yeah. It's an interest. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting watch. This is a film that demands attention. Okay, this is not the easiest film in the world to watch. Yeah, and this and this is based on a Walter Tevis book, and mm-hmm. the most famous movie to ever come from a Walter Tevis book before this is The Hustler. Right. And Walter Tellis is not exactly a happy-go-lucky writer. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and, it's a, and, and, and the other thing is we mentioned Buck Henry briefly, uh, uh, but he also uh, co-wrote the script and uh, to Man Who Fell to Earth. Yeah. So, let's see. Buck Henry's in this, and he's fucking good. Uh, Bowie's fucking good in it. Who plays the female character in it? Candy Clark. Candy Clark is fucking good. But the person who is at his really, truly best is, this may be his best acting role in a movie, outside of the ending of Maiden. Yep. And, that's and that Rip will Torn. be Rip Bourne. Yeah, and, and also, uh, I, I would argue that uh, Payday is up there, too. Oh, yeah. For, for acting. But, yeah, right, Rip Torn is absolutely... Well, can I do a really bad pun? Rip Torn really rips it up <laughs> in, in, in The Man Who Called Earth. And if you don't understand the Maidstone joke, well, just look up Maidstone Fight on YouTube. Yep. You'll see how me and Carl really decide how to do the shows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would agree with that. Close the show. We're up to the shameless horror part of the show. So, what do you have coming up this weekend? Well, this weekend, basically uh, on on Friday um, night on on DLN, uh, Adam Ferenz is going to uh, do a show on uh, Twin Peaks for his cathode ray mission. And uh, I will be guesting, along with uh, several other people, we'll be talking about uh, that. And then, of course, Sunday we have a show together. So yeah. why don't you tell them about Sunday? Well, Sunday, I think, will be the Robbie Benson Appreciation Show. A drive-in yep. monster has been canceled this year. But by God, the show hasn't. We're going to have Gene on as usual. But I'm going to do my best to drag the other half of the the show in, too. Right. 
So expect a lot of bad puns, a lot of Robbie Benson talk, and me singing the singing. song. Me singing the love song for Ice Castles again. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're gonna have fun. It's always fun to have Gene on. He he he's a hoot, to say the least. And next Thursday, of course, as part of the KSD late night movie, we're going to have the man who fell to earth. And this is one I think we're going to record and then put up because it is going to be a two-hour and nineteen-minute movie. So this one won't be as live as performance is because we were because we don't want to be because we don't want to leave you hanging at the end of the movie. Right. Agreed. Agreed. But now well, that's what we got so far. Anything else? Um. No. Thank you all for listening. Stay inside. Stay safe. Because we want you to keep coming back and listening to us. Not because we care. We don't hide. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I care. I want our people to, to be safe and, and get through all this. That's why we're giving so much, so much content out there. So no, because there's too much pussies to stay inside. They're not fucking man enough to stay inside. I dare them to stay inside. Prove me wrong. <laughs> All right, Stephen, as always, thank you very, very much for this opportunity. Really appreciate it. And to our listeners, I, I want to say thank you and, and uh, be good and be safe. Good night, everybody. Good night. I'm button work. And you'll see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we held By the twilight's last gleaming do 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 Okay. Right now, we're in there, we're exiting the cage. Our national anthem.